0: You spill your beans. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Spill Your Beans. Today, we are reviewing uh, the recent musical biopic drama, whatever you want to call it, Rocket Man. I'm joined today with assistant producer, talk show host, filmmaker, and I believe recently graduated television student, Ethan Staple. Hello. Hi, George. How you doing? I'm doing good. Yourself? Can't complain. I'm excited to be on the program. Yeah. It's um it's a film that both of us quite enjoyed, especially like um so for of so context, obviously you um you studied in the UK uh for a semester. Yeah. Um, in my when when I was in first year. Um so we met and bonded over that. We were both big sort of Elton John fans, um, especially at parties when no one else would really know what was going on and we'd be like, I'll just put Saturday night summary for fighting on it's Um,
1: (laughs) truly i think saturday night's all right for fighting is like the go-to like get the party started song. yeah exactly
0: and of course you were uh you went dressed as elton john for halloween didn't you that year
1: it was not only halloween i think i dressed up for at least three times while i was in london it was halloween the christmas party and
0: yes Yes, the christmas party of course
1: because it was the only red thing I honed, um, and there had to be a third time in there. Uh, probably was. I still have it in my closet, like next to me, even after I moved. I still have the jacket from the Halloween That's costume. Incredible.
0: It was such a good like appearance. I mean, meanwhile I was dressed up as like Donald Trump. Donald man. Trump. Like, <laughs> I remember that very vividly, and it was. It was great because, again, I think... Did Rocketman come out that year? It was 2019 or something Rocketman
1: came out 2019. It it came out summer of 2019, so right before we met.
0: Yeah, which is, I think, it's why it's sort of, like, fresh in minds as well, I think, for those who went and saw the film around then, um, especially for us who went to sort of uni and all that sort of thing. We sort of bonded over that because we were familiar with the music and stuff as well. And whenever you watch a sort of musical biopic or just a musical in general, you're familiar with, like, a decent few of the songs. Like... You might not be like a huge elton john fan but when you watch rocket man you then are aware of all of these songs which are like exactly. the best off hits um but yeah no we're talking about rocket man today which i'm not sure if we've ever talked about like in depth before because i know again we're both elton john fans but i don't know if we've ever talked about this film properly like in depth there's
1: there's a lot to unpack about this film so. Oh, there is so much and, you know, we only got to, unfortunately, spend a semester together. But, mm. I mean, I could, like we will now, I can spend hours
0: talking about this. Absolutely. And that's the best thing. So, we're going to start with a sort of general review of the film. Um, it's a film that, obviously, I first saw in cinemas back in 2019, loved it. Uh, rewatched it last year, loved it. And this year, I, I sort of rewatched it again. And I honestly, like, was a bit less keen on it. And I, and I do still like it. And it has a lot of redeeming elements. But I think. It's a film that I just—it was sort of better in my head. I wish I hadn't rewatched it again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I wish I'd kind of just lived with that memory of it being good. It—it's really hard for
1: me to like be like it's good or bad because being such a diehard Elton John fan, like I know from the start that he had a hard life. Like he had a very hard mm. childhood. You know, a lot of problems with drugs and alcohol. So, like, at the end of the day, I just want to... Like, I know this film makes Elton John happy, which makes me happy. Of course. But there... I know, like, from, like, a historical standpoint, like, this is not... His, like, it's not historically accurate to start with. Like, yeah. years go by and, like... Like, Saturday Night's are all, right, all Right for Fighting didn't come out when he was, like, eight or nine. Of course.
0: And I think that's... For me, that is sort of one of the better parts of it. I quite like that it just goes into straight-up um, sort of musical jukebox-type um, sort of, you know, uh, uh, storytelling. They're not trying to stick to the era. I think when a film, especially like a musical biopic, tries to stick so harshly with the era um, that they're going with and getting the music out at exactly the right time, then there's more room for mistake, and those mistakes are bigger. If Rocketman makes a mistake and sort of like historical accuracy it doesn't matter because you're one musical number away from Elton John turning into a firework and like (laughs) exploding into a plane like it's not exactly supposed to be real and grounded but I think that also on the flip side of that that comes from sort of a few criticisms of it because when it does deal with such themes like obviously drug use um, you know depression um, and obviously sexuality as well Um, and then going from that into something quite just out there and then back to something serious again I think is where I was a bit you know because I mean musicals have a sort of tendency to do this thing where they start a musical number and it's like totally out of nowhere and you're like, yeah. like okay come on um and this film d- does do that but also doesn't in some cases and I think when the scene's very serious and then it goes for something a little bit camp it's like okay like it's a, you could have done that a bit like more smoothly how do you that I about think that, that-
1: I think that there's a few scenes in particular where I'm like the music couldn't fit more perfectly. Mm. Like uh, in the beginning, when he's a kid and he's like trying to bond with his father, and he sings "I want love." Like it, he wants love. It it can't be more clear than that. Mm. So
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like at, that. Yeah.
1: At other times. It, it, it feels a little bit strange. Like, when Saturday Night's all right, you know, we keep going back to it. Saturday Night's comes on. Yeah. I I When I was watching it in the theater, I leaned over to my friend. I was like, this is going to be a bar fight scene. I Like, we didn't even get introduced mm. to the bar yet where I was like, it's going to be in a bar. It has to be. And it was. Um, mm. But I did like it where it was, like, how we transfer from the kid actor of Elton John to yeah. Taryn at that point. I mean, it, it's a musical. It feels like a musical to me. The second time I was watching it... Uh, there's, like, lighting cues and stuff where, like, there's, like, kind of, like, blackouts and, like, spotlights mm. on uh, Terran And you don't get that in a usual film. It's it's yeah. more like it's genuine cinema lighting, not like it'd mm. be on a stage.
0: Of course, yeah. Which is why... this it, it, it is interesting the way they do that. And, and touching again on um, Saturday Night's Alright for Fighting, I think that's one of the best scenes, if not the best scene in the film. I think it's, it's so well put together um like all handled like trying to hide almost the cuts and make it look like it's all one continuous shot as well like I love that idea and the pacing and everything about that sequence is just so much fun um again especially the transition into Taron And you really feel that when he comes on screen as well like he brings that presence that he carries throughout the rest of the film like he and we'll talk about cast in the sort of um second bit but like he's incredible in this
1: the way I was researching, the way that him and Elton John got, like, together as mm. just, like, friends are very interesting. Because it started off back in 2014 when Taron Egerton played, like, that gorilla on Sing. And he sings oh, really? I'm Still Standing. Yeah. Elton John finds this out. They start talking. Then Kingsman 2 happens. Of Elton John is in that. They And then when Rocketman came out, apparently they didn't even hold auditions. It was like, I want Taron to... Elton was like, I want Taron to play me.
0: Mm-hmm. And what a perfect choice as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's. I, I couldn't imagine this being done by anyone else, and I feel like if it had been, the film would have suffered <laughs> quite a lot. I think something. The... Oh, sorry. Go yeah, on. Yeah. No, I think I think the casting of this, and again, we'll talk more about that in a bit. But I think, yeah, definitely with with Taron, an excellent choice, and I couldn't see that working in any other way. I think he brings a certain gravitas to the role, um, and Absolutely. generally just the performance, the, the, the music sequences. And the talent as well. The one notable thing about this, of course, is that Taron actually sung in this. Yeah, he could, yeah to, all like, of it. Um, was it Rami Malik in? Um, uh, in Rhapsody? Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody? Yeah, yeah, he didn't like sing, and you can, you could tell because he sounds very different. Yeah. Taron, you can tell it's him, and although it's not filmed live, it's not singing live. It's still him, and you feel that, and I think it's, that's an important factor.
1: It's also really interesting because, like, when I think of Taron Edgerton besides Rockman, I think Eddie the Eagle so you're like it's it's a very different
0: role of course yeah I th- he's not done too much though I mean he's done he's, he's been in his fair share of films but like notable roles I mean Rocketman Kingsman films of course he did like Robin Hood I think which was a bit it's, of a it's not but, a
1: lot like which is sad yeah. to say because I think he's such an amazing actor oh yeah but like like the only i can think of sing rocket man and then the kingsman films like that that's it and eddie the eagle but like mm. even eddie the eagle is kind of a smaller film mm. like but then again still uh, directed by dexter fletcher so i mean yeah. good work all around regardless
0: <laughs> yeah it's an interesting one how all these things sort of came together i suppose isn't it especially with like again looking at like eddie the eagle and how dexter fletcher directed that with Taron, and then obviously Taron being Elton John on Kingsman, so it's all really like come together as if it's like meant to be. It's kind of weird, yeah. but yeah, no, I I I, I do love that. Um, in the sense of the film generally, though, um, upon rewatch, what are your sort of thoughts on it? Has anything sort of differed? Because I know for me, obviously, it had um, for yourself.
1: The the first time I watched it in 2019, I thought that it was a really slow-moving movie, but that's also because, like, I was paying attention to a lot of detail of just, mm. like, you know, Terrence's performance, and, like, how the songs are introduced, and mm. also just the story, because, like, people know the story of Elton John, mm. but, like, Rocketman really cements, I I think, how tough his life was and also how talented he was from a very early age Mm. on the flip side of things. When I watched again two days before this recording, Mm. uh, I had a little bit of a different feeling, which was, wow, this movie runs very quickly. It's only two hours. Exactly. Mm. Um, And like the, the songs keep the, keep the movie going, but like some of it feels a little bit weird. And I, I, completely forgot about the scene where he blasts off into the airplane and I was, it, it kind of took me out of it. In all honesty, because I was like, yeah. "That's that's not how a human works."
0: Um, yeah, I, there's so many scenes in this where I'm like, "That doesn't work." Uh, like, and I love the film, but I'd forgotten about so much that just yeah. didn't work. And there's probably a reason I forgot about it. Um, I mean, we'll talk about that, that that now a little bit. I think um, for me, notably, I think um, especially listening to the album, um, the cover of Rocket Man is brilliant. So why they felt the need in the film to have the kid at the bottom of the swimming pool right after oh. he's just trying to kill himself. I'm kind of like, right. okay, like that could have been done without the kid very easily. You didn't have to have that. And the kid is a good singer, but in that scene, you know, I would have been like, you didn't another take. You didn't another
1: take of that. I, I I agree. I will say though this is somebody coming from a musical background. Mm. That kid can sing. Yeah, like yeah, he can yeah. hit Absolutely. the high notes, and it makes me upset because on the soundtrack, he's not on the soundtrack of the rocket. It's it's just mm. Terrence singing, which like upsets me because they harmonize when like they're singing together, as that's the definition of a harmony, mm. and it sounds so good. But also, yes, it I it threw me off seeing a kid in a in a spacesuit playing a piano at the bottom of a pool. You're like, oh, am I on drugs? What's going yeah. on?
0: <laughs> and I kind of like I, I like the way that song transitions from like coming out of the pool to then in the back of the ambulance to then on stage because in real life it was quite a quick turnaround as well. I love how yeah. they did that and I can see that working so well on like stage. Um, but again, yeah, like him turning into a rocket and flying up. I also thought like the dubstep remix of Benny and the Jets, which I totally forgot Oh about. my God. What was that? I, I don't even, <laughs> I can't believe I forgot about that because I was just sitting there like, oh God, I was like, oh, Benny and the Jets. This is the Benny and the Jets bit. I like this song. I'm, I'm looking for, oh right <laughs> they play it for about like 20 seconds and then it's like a disco I mean, remix
1: when that's when that's happening that's the like he's on he's on drugs and he's like with like all the people on the ground kind of mm. like just touching each other and yeah then, yeah 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 yeah. that was I, I the only thing i can i guess excuse that is like oh because he's on drugs obviously bending the jets if he was thinking about it or saying it isn't going to sound the same in his head of but at the same time you're like Man, Skrillex uh, did a number on this
0: one. It's kind of just weird, though. It's so out of place. And, like, I get he's on drugs. But, like, he's on drugs for, like, most of this film. And none (laughs) of the other songs are distorted. You know, like, I get that's the sort of thing. But it felt like, oh, well, he looks like he's in a nightclub. Let's do it like a nightclub. But it's like, you know, that would have worked by just having a slightly maybe different setting and just doing a lot of quick cuts to the obviously insanely fast performance of Benny and the Jets, which already is a very fast piano number. Yeah, you can play with the speed of it you don't have to like dubstep it you know what I mean the
1: the thing That's that and I, I brought this me. up with my friends when we were watching it was like our theory for that scene is that um, Eldon John later in his life after he got sober and everything worked with RuPaul you know who RuPaul is?
0: oh yeah yeah RuPaul
1: is a drag queen yeah uh they did a whole album together of like different music of Elton John's but like the drag versions which are a lot more like dubstep and like club music uh. so our 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 theory is is that when it's like all this like lustful like you know touching of bodies and mm. all that like mm. that's what we thought it is but we're also not the creators of this film we're just viewers so it's all just speculation yeah
0: I just it seems like a strange choice and I always you know it's it's always good to justify things and understand it but like I think for a general audience they're not going to have that context. Yeah so I'm, I I would agree with that. And it's <laughs> kind of a difficult one to go like oh that works because it's sort of it doesn't. And like again um what's it is it sorry seems to be the hardest word or whatever like I I lo- I do like that song to some extent and I know in the song they're all going so sad so sad but like yeah. the like everyone in the restaurant singing it as he walks past it's like okay i get it you're 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 not happy i get like i i do understand this and i know it's an original song but it was like that just kind of ruined the mood it's trying to like tug at our heartstrings a little bit and it's being like almost pantomime about it those are like the key like especially in musical numbers where i was like okay that's just totally throwing me out of it yeah um,
1: i i but that, that's, that's just pure musical right there, where it's sometimes you, you have to sing about like you're sad by just saying, I'm sad in a song. Yeah, it's just how course. musicals go. Of
0: course. So. But then on the flip side of that, um, I'm still standing Honky Cat, Saturday Night's Alright. Oh my God. Fantastic musical numbers in this film that are done incredibly. I think, especially like, obviously, Saturday Night's Alright for fine, we've talked about that, but Honky Cat's brilliant. Great Monkey Cat's
1: a good a good montage scene yeah. of like him like excessively spending money. Another oh my god, one of my favorites in the whole thing is Pinball Wizard because Pinball Wizard isn't mm. even an Elton John mm. song. I think it was made by The Who first. Really? Uh, it was made by another band, and the only reason that Elton John sings it is he was in a movie called Tommy about this deaf dumb and blind guy who was really good at pinball and the final like villain was Elton John and he sings pinball wizard in it It's the only reason
0: <laughs> I never that, knew that. That's funny. yeah
1: if you oh, yeah. look up pinball That's... wizard Elton John, like Tommy, like, he's in the most strange... Like, Elton John's in strange outfits to start with. That's thing I love about this film, how, how oh, yeah. they do his outfits. But if you look up pinball wizard Elton John from the movie Tommy, he's in, like, stilts and these giant, like, clown shoes and a gi- playing with a giant pinball machine and is the funniest thing in the world to me.
0: I cannot wait to have a look at that later after this recording. That's <laughs> insane. I never even... Knew- That's so cool. <laughs> um yeah i think like those specific sequences are great and again um good shout with pinball wizard i think hunky cat again like for me i love the fact that it's not just a montage but it's like it's just it's so clearly in like a studio that they just put a curtain behind i love yeah. that though but i actually like that's that adds to it for me it, it's the sort of it's a very quirky song it's done I, I always enjoy that scene but i think my issue with this film especially with the music scenes it always comes with that individually the music like video segments i guess you call them like those are brilliant individually as a clip on youtube those are brilliant (laughs) but like when you put it in context with the rest of the film it's like it feels like you've almost got two very different types of films and i love the style of it i love how it's sort of unapologetically camp in a lot of places but i just there's something for me where it's like I couldn't help thinking that it could have gelled a little bit more. You've got a really campy kind of musical film, and you've also got a really, like, serious drama underneath it. Now, again, like, I love both elements of that. The music video stuff, that, that sort of, like, campy, over-the-top, very musically kind of stuff, that's brilliant. I love that, and it's, it, it creates sort of a unique and different style, but at the same time as that, I also love the elements of what it tries to do, because one thing I had about Bohemian Rhapsody was, like, they are just centering everything. Because the band yeah. are like, oh, we don't want to come off as like having a bad image or whatever. Like notoriously, Sacha Baron Cohen was originally attached to that project and wanted to explore the more serious side of um, like Freddie's like sexuality, drug use, alcoholism. Um, and I like that this film did that again. Like especially with sexuality, especially yeah. with um, drug use. Um, and I and I love what this film does with that. But again, it's like two very contrasting things. Feels like either you've got to explore this really serious subject matter but you, or do the musical stuff it can't come hand in hand sometimes i think it can if it's gelled better but then going again as i said before from elton john overdosing and then throwing himself into a pool kill, tr- like trying to kill himself it's just a very very serious thing and probably a very harrowing part of his life yeah, followed by a kid in a swimming pool going like, ah,
1: you know, it's hey, like. Hey, listen, you don't know what he saw when he fell into that pool. <laughs> you know, that's true. Okay, maybe it's, you weren't maybe there. Based
0: on truth, <laughs> it does. I'd like
1: yeah. to. I'd like to believe that, like, I don't know. Going to the point of like, you know, sexuality and everything. Like, I know that uh in an interview with uh, Terence on like the Jimmy Kimmel Show. Uh, he was talking about how this was one of the first movies uh, that had, like, a very, like, on-screen, like, gay sex scene uh, between uh, Taron and uh, and uh, Richard Madden. And I think it's, this film doesn't shy from a lot because, like, if you look, if you, if I brought, like, a, a 13-year-old kid to look at this movie poster and be like, what do you think this is about? I don't think they're going to think sex and drugs. They're going to be like, this is about a very happy man playing music. And that's not the case. And no. that's, that's why, I mean, we're going to have differing opinions about this, but that's why I, I love this film so I, much.
0: I do think that is a great point. And I, and I, and I like, again, how like, they just don't hold back and they just do what they want. I do feel that it, 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 it's a balance of lots of different things. It's got individually very good elements in it. I just think it's the final execution of all of those things together, um, and especially Elton John's involvement with the film it's kind of difficult because the only person, especially when it comes to the family stuff, the only person who's going to know exactly what happened there is Elton John. And there is no way he's ever going to have his mum or his dad portrayed in any sort of good light or any excusable right. light. Now, nobody knows what they were actually like. So you can't create a realistic portrayal of that, of course. But it feels very like, and this is a sort of slight criticism of it, it's like that feels very pantomimey. A little bit, especially the mum. I would say. Yeah. The dad was. The dad was. The dad was good. I like what they did with him, especially the scene where, like, he's got a different family and like he asks. Oh my! That is such a good scene. But the reason that's such a good scene is because it just plays out. It's just dialogue and good acting, and it doesn't like have a little musical segment in it. It's like when the when scenes can play out in this film, they are brilliant. Whether it's a musical scene, whether it's a serious scene, whether it's that, it's just it's more the transitioning that sort of irks me a little bit
1: I get that the this, this scene that you're referring to where he ha- where the dad has a new family that scene kills me every time it's because so it's, it's it's so good because it, you know Elton goes to confront his father about being gay and like he hasn't seen his father presumably for years mm. and when he goes he has these two kids he's in like a, he's a proper dad treats them nice but what kills me is when he goes up and he's like oh can you sign this record and he signs it for Dan and he's like no not for me for a friend uh, my friend Arthur I think that's oh it's so screwed yeah. up
0: yeah he's like oh my, my friend's a big fan of you I'm like oh my god that's so like it's stings. it's sad it stings it's perfect though it, it works so well in that context um you know as does you know as, as does the scene where he comes out to his mom as well i think that's quite emotional but at the same time i, I just there's something about again i will talk a bit a bit more about this i don't want to like jump too much into the talk about it. cast in a bit but um there's something about those scenes with the um, family which sort of feels slightly unrealistic. And again, like, it's not the musical stuff. It's like, it's a serious scene, but it feels unrealistic. Opposed to the serious scenes which do feel realistic, and then the musical scenes which don't feel realistic. Kind of all yeah. blending together. It's kind of like, it's a difficult one. Upon re-watching, and I watched it with um, Max and Zara, who've never seen the okay. film before. Really? Never That's seen surprising. It. Never seen it. Um, I'm never talking to them again. <laughs> uh, we sat down and watched it. And I remember being like, you know, when you sort of, when you watch something that you like as well and you show people and it's just, you can get a sense where it's like, oh God, this, this actually isn't. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Shit. Um, <laughs> when it came to like the f- opening, I was kind of like, yeah, but like in my head, I'm like, it gets better when Taron comes on.
1: Right. And when the
0: family stuff kind of ends. And I'll be honest, it does. I quite like where it goes with that. I think there's that. I don't know, there's a huge thing in the beginning of the film which I do love what they do with a lot of different things but something feels weird about it.
1: The it- way that I describe it is that it's a really slow startup in his childhood where like it's mm. all the backstory of like he's a child prodigy like he can listen to music and immediately memorize and play on the piano like we get introduced to his family life. That's the slow <clears throat> part of the piece I think. I Again, like you're saying when Taron steps on screen things speed up mm. and I mean, that's because he's an adult and you kind of have to get through the story as fast as you can. Yeah. But at the same time, I agree with you where it's like, I want more. There's a scene when he's right when he like rockets into the the plane where him and Bernie Taupin are speaking and Bernie's like, what if we just took a break? Let's go to my ranch. Like we we don't let's stop the drugs and the drinking. Like, let's go back to what we did to start with. And that's a genuine like moment between Mm. them. There's no singing. There's no, you know, Mm. fantastical things happening. And then it's just, you know, Elton John being angry at Bernie, being like, oh, no, you know what? You're fired.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. I think it's like... And that adds so much. It's It does add so much. And I think it is so well executed in a lot of different areas. It just... I think the theme of the film, it does, unfortunately for me, feel like a little bit all over the place. And I think some of it works really well and would work... This film would work brilliantly on stage, genuinely. Mm-hmm. But as a film, like, if this was adapted from a stage play, it would be like okay you're relying a little bit too much on the source material like express it a little bit more for film opposed to stage and i love stage musicals i think this would work really well as that and there's a scene i pay good money for that yeah there's a scene specifically right at the end of the film um which i think works brilliant would, would work brilliant on stage i wasn't too keen on it in the film and i'm interested to see your take on this is the scene where he's at the aa meeting at the end right at the end of the film oh, and okay. the different family members and people in his life sort of stand there and has a, have a conversation with him I I think that would work perfectly first cuz like I can
1: see this this mm. specific part of like the film if it was adapted to a stage as like a theater in the round kind of thing where it's just a circular stage and maybe like he's in the middle of it and each person like steps out and gives their monologue I, that's one of my favorite parts of the film, because as much, as not real as it was, because I think at this point his grandma had died, so, like, why would she be, like, Mm. in the, why would any of these people, besides maybe Bernie Taupin, be in the AA meeting with him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, especially his younger self, he gives, he gives his younger self a hug.
0: Yeah, but not Um, even in, like, a sense of, like, realism, I think, in a sense of just how the scene plays out. I think it's perfect for
1: stage. I think it's absolutely perfect for stage, because it's, it's shows up Mm -hmm. like how it it sums up everything where it's like elton john is okay with the person he is and he's willing to forgive his mother even though she kind of put him through a lot Mm. he's kind of forgetting about his father thanks his grandmother for everything i think it's it's a very campy ending but if you're on if it's a musical and it's on stage that's right up you know broadway and musical theater's alley
0: yeah no definitely in terms of the film do you think it works as well in that context?
1: I'm going to say yes and no and I know that's a strange answer to give. No, no, it's understandable, yeah. If I'm a movie critic looking at it through that lens, I'd say no. That's a very strange way to end a film mm. where it's like e- everything's okay, smiles and happiness. No. But as Ethan, I love that because I just want I just want the best for him and of course. He, it's clearly delivered when he sums up everything with every person he's interacted with in the film, especially his his ex-boyfriend slash manager because he just throws him out like mm. he's like no it's not my fault that like you treated me poorly like g- get get the fuck
0: out <laughs> yeah yeah of course of course i think that's that's a great way of putting it i think it's interesting i, I did again feel a little bit like uh this is like again one rewatch i'm like oh, this, is, this is a shame this is a shame and i would have rather it be done in like a slightly different way but generally i think again like a lot of this film, it is very well put together. It is very enjoyable to look at, to watch. It's a fun film that I think you can just sort of turn your brain off for a little bit. Yeah. And I think that's really what stands out uh, for me personally, especially in, um, you know on rewatch, which I I really did like this film, but the rating was kind of severely pulled down a little bit for me on rewatch, just because of like trying to genuinely critique some of the filmmaking stuff and try and be like okay is this good filmmaking is it not and i was just like i do like a lot of it but there's certain things which just look weird or feel wrong and i do again i, I will reiterate again as an elton john fan uh, of his music of his life and the, the story and the way this was told i do love it but the way like, that i'm yeah. trying to
1: th- think about it is like has this been done before with other celebrities like not bohemian rhapsody is even different because like again yeah. it's not it's not rami Malik singing mm. it's so like i'm trying to think is there another film to compare this to i can't think of any personally about a, like a, a biopic a musical biopic i can't think of any others so like i think it's like you know dexter fletcher and elton john taking a gamble being like it hasn't really been done before is it going to be good? Well, that's for the audience to decide. Mm. And I mean, like we're talking about now, we have differing op- opinions about it, but I still, I'll still stick by it where it's like, for what it is, it's it's not like, again, it's not supposed to be realistic. I, I stand by this film completely.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a good way of putting it, man. I, I think that's kind of exactly kind of where I stand as well. In a way, I think, you know, it is one of those ones where it's like, you can critique it and you can find a lot with this film if you're looking for it. But I think if you're just looking to have a bit of fun with it...
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's
0: great. Um, But on that note, I think we'll sort of go off for our first little break. And when we return, we'll be talking to you about uh, your choice for the record spinner, as well as talking about the cast of this film um, and the performances, who we think was good, who we think was all right, who we think was a bit shit. Um, (laughs) So we'll be seeing you in a minute. Enjoy the break. Hello and welcome back to part two of our Rocket Man review for Spill Your Beans. I'm here with Ethan and we're going to be doing our first little segment, um, which I'm sure if you've listened to some other episodes by now you'll be aware of. This is the Record Spinner. This is where we ask guests to sort of nominate um, a film soundtrack or an individual track from a film that they would hold above any other. Um, You could... Maybe think of it in a way that you can just scrap every other film soundtrack of all time, and this is the only one you can ever listen to ever again. Um, You can mention some honorary picks if you want, but what is your pick uh, for the? See, this is
1: this is hard because we're talking about a film that is literally a musical. So, like, but I want to step out for a sec uh, to talk about uh, my favorite soundtrack of all time has to be Guardians of the Galaxy Two. I it is my I have a CD in my car. Of, the, of that, and like when my when I'm in a place with no internet so I can't stream, that's the thing I'll put in. Because I think that every... We're talking about a film, you know, like Rocket Man where like every song is connected to a scene in some way. Mm. I think that Guardians of the Galaxy 2 does such a great job of that. My favorite track off of that has to be Lakeshore Drive. Mm. It's like the scene where uh yeah, yeah. Star-Lord's mother is like getting to know Ego. It's such a good song, and it's like, again... I can imagine myself, and I've done it before, like, just driving on the countryside, living, uh, listening to Lakeshore Drive. It's such a, like, relaxing yeah. piece, but piece. But at the same time, you want to get a party going. Uh, Mr. Blue Sky. Just put on Mr. Blue All Sky.
0: work, yeah. That's a great... I ne- that's so good. I never really thought about that one as, like, a possible one that could come up. But you're, you're bloody right, because, like, the, the songs from that, so presumably the Awesome Mix Vol, Volume 2. Volume 2. Um... I'm glad that's a pick. I mean, that's a brilliant one. Again, just looking at it. Um, Mr. Blue Sky, Fox on the Run, Lakeshore Drive, The Chain, oh, Southern Nights, My Sweet, sweet week Lord. Week. Um, specifically for me as well, I love uh, Father and Son. I think Father and Son's a brilliant Father, song. Oh my God, Father and Son uh, makes me it, cry. And it's, the, the scene that it's used in, of course, again, spoilers for Guardians 2. If you haven't seen it, I mean, it's a few years old now. so you should, It's come out, you know, yeah, I mean, a few like, years. If, <laughs> like, if you need spoilers for Guardians 2, but not for Rocket Man, then you, right um yeah no i think the scene um and the sort of importance of that because the whole film is about um peter's sort of fatherhood and all that sort of thing and to have that sort of song play after shot i kind of realizes who his real dad was in a way i think that's brilliant and it was so like well put together um, uh
1: another great uh track off of that is uh wham bam shangalang which yeah. is when ego and peter are fighting and my favorite part of this film has to be when they're both in like rock form and they finally clash for the yeah, first yeah, time yeah. that's when wham bam really like it like the drop happens and like the song really catches up oh my god i think both gardens the galaxy uh what is it the awesome mix i i already, I already yeah yeah the the, the
0: awesome mix um volume one and volume two
1: both of them are great but mm. like I I'd take volume 2 over volume one mm. if you if you gave me a CD choice I'd choose that <laughs> uh, even even the credit song flashlight by uh, Parliament Parliament is a great funk group uh and i think that for a credit song it's it's really just a good way to wrap something up and then at the end uh there's david hasselhoff sings david hasselhoff used to be a singer before he was an actor so i'm very happy that they incorporated him like to sing the other part of the credit song
0: guardians infernal there we go yeah (laughs) yeah um i think that's that's a great choice i'm so happy to have that on there uh we've got some great mentions for the record spinner so far This is one of my personal favorites, I have to say. I think as a soundtrack, I didn't really think about it, of course, because it's like, you know, the... Because Guardians is very unique in that sense where it has its own soundtrack, but then also its, like, awesome mix kind of thing. Yeah. Great, great idea. A nice way to sort of loophole that round into, like, actual songs. Um, My my friend who's also a listener to this show, I think made a
1: very good suggestion. I would love at the end of what, you know, if you're doing this by season Mm. to make like a playlist of everything that somebody, like all the guests have said. That is So like,
0: that's a great idea. I might just do that. That's a, that's a bloody great idea. I'm definitely doing that after this recording. I'm starting up those Spotify playlists. Hell yeah. That's a great idea. (laughs) Love that. Um, (laughs) That's great. Yeah. Um, so that's a great choice for the record spinner. Um, And we'll come back with our next segment after the next break. But um, now we're going to be talking about the cast of the film, which we've definitely touched upon. And we tried to stay away from. But let's talk about that, you know, full force, starting, of course, with Taron Egerton, who's brilliant in this film.
1: I something that I'll I'll start with actually a, a con of. Taron Egerton, and I don't think you need to look like like the person you're portraying. I don't think he looks anything like Elton John in this entire... No. I think he starts to look like him when he's, like, really lost his hair and, like, his hairline's pretty pushed back. Mm. But, like, I think around the time that... Oh, God. When we... I can't even like think of a time where like he's starting to look like Elton John. And honestly, I think he has too much hair. I think that's my first gripe with it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair enough. I think it's a it's an interesting one. I do like at the um, at the end how they show the sort of photos, you know, like real life. Yeah, that's great. And I do think that on reflection, I think some of them do kind of match up a little bit. I think yes, especially yes. in the pinball with scene where he's sort of flipping between all the costumes. In I the Dodgers, amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I do get what you mean a little bit. I feel like Taron Egerton is, like, it's in a weird way, um, and this is, might be a bit of a weird thing to say, but is almost seems slightly too attractive for the, at the time of Elton. And I know like I I think Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I think that
1: everyone looks a little too attractive. Like you look at Richard Madden playing (laughs) John Reed. John John if you look at a picture of John Reed. John Reed is an ugly son of a bitch, if you ask me. I think Elton John could have I mean he did do a lot better, but he could have done a lot better when he was dating John Reed, let me tell you. (laughs) Oh
0: my god. And you're so right though as well. Like I can believe why Elton John in this would be attracted to John Reed if he looked like Richard Madden, but he doesn't in real life. He does not. Um
1: but yeah, no. I know. My dad, my dad calls John Reed the actual John Reed, a used car salesman. That's what John Reed looks like.
0: Yeah, I, I, yeah, he's unrecognizable now. Anyway, he doesn't even look like he used to. It's it's it's, it's totally weird. Um, I was looking at his Wikipedia after this film, cause I was like, well, I wonder what's happened to him. I thought he was dead, but it turns <laughs> out not. Weirdly enough. Um, but yeah, no. I, Is he, he, I can't imagine he's still working in the industry. No, I think the last thing he did was, like, he was on the Australian X Factor in, like, 2006 or something. Like, he was a judge. But that was that. Um, but he was probably, like, using it like Tinder, wasn't he? You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> That's such a terrible joke, but I don't care. Um, yeah, no, I know <laughs> what you mean about Terran Edge and maybe not looking too much like Alan John. But, yeah, I, 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 I do get that, actually. But I think performance-wise,
1: oh the yeah. voice, he was...
0: everything, I think it's so good, you know?
1: Um, I th- I was it was interesting hearing uh, Jamie Bell as uh, Bernie Taupin sing too some of the songs because like I like again Taron I, I expected him like to be like somewhat of a good singer turns out you know blew me away but Jamie Bell the the vibrato on him is yeah especially um Goodbye Yellow Brick Road mm. when like the first few lines like when are you gonna come down when are you gonna land like he just
0: he nails it yeah 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 he he's good as well I mean he's I think. Not spoken about enough in this film, I think. Again, as one of the main characters in it, it is a bit weird how he just never really gets brought up all that much. But, yeah, no, he's brilliant in this. Um, Singing-wise, but also I think acting as well. I think he does a great job. I I don't know too much about um, Bernie Taupin, but I think, like, he makes the character at least feel believable and, like, that's, like, the genuinely, like, real friendship. One of my favourite scenes in this film is between him and Elton when they're sitting on the roof and Elton, like, tries to kiss him and he's like... Kiss him, I love you, man, but... Not like that, I and mean, it's so sort of perfectly done, um, and sums up like their friendship so well. Um, yeah, I th-
1: another scene. It's when they first meet in the cafe when they're going over lyrics and they sing. Uh, f- what is it called? I hold on. It's called the uh, uh, song "Song of Laredo." Yeah, uh, and. That kills me because like it's such an awkward beginning between. Them. It's like hi, I'm I'm Elton, Bernie. Oh, well, that's not my real name. And they're just like they're trying to find like something to bond over, mm. and they finally find the song that the record company hates because they've like heard it so many times, and they just break out the song so loud in this like small
0: cafe. Mm, mm. It's it's so well done. So them. good. Yeah, I, I do love that scene. Um, I, I do think as well. I think Richard Madden is pretty good in this film.
1: He's he's definitely uh, again very attractive guy. He definitely plays the role of you know John Reed is such a <laughs> crass person. Like there is no point where I as soon I mean watching it the second time as soon as Richard Madden came on the screen for the first time I was like G- I hate you I hate you so much because mm. you're mm. like talk about a talk about a toxic relationship. My God.
0: Yeah. No, you're right there. I think it's it is an interesting one. I mean, again, like. <laughs> it's interesting because especially with that character he's been portrayed in two musical biopics yeah. very recently by two different actors and I think it's very interesting to see those performances and I feel very different performances but also very different characters as well which is kind of weird um, it's also very
1: different relationships mm. too like dating your manager versus it's just your manager but you're also you know you're you're both gay mm. it, There's it's two very different situations of so like and there there was speculation that um, Freddie Mercury and uh, John Reed, like, possibly had uh, apparently a sexual relationship. Mm. But, like, apparently they kept it very professional versus Elton and John Reed. It was very different. Mm. But, like, again, I can't speak for Elton John. I'm, I'm just a lowly 22-year-old American. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's understandable. I think it is a bit of a weird one. I think he's, again, as you said, like... I I do think the performance is brilliant, though. I think it's believable. And I think as well, I think it takes a lot for um, two straight actors to do that sort of um, the sex scene in the film. Which is, like, a good... I think it's a great moment because it's, like, it's great that the film can do that. Nowadays, it's great that we're, like, living in a sort of day and age where, like, you can do that and not face criticism for it. Like, it's just normalized. Mm -hmm. Because, like, if that was in any other film and it wasn't, like, it wasn't, like, a straight sex scene, there'd be, like, no... There'd been like nothing mentioned about it i'm glad that this is the same like it there was no like controversy or nothing around it i'm glad that like as a fo- uh, like a <laughs> sweater but yeah as a society we are getting a little bit more mature with that sort of stuff and it's yeah it's good to see that again both of them made it look believable and not just and they didn't, they didn't just cut away or something but they both made it look like a passionate loving relationship at least for the start of the film right but then like again with his uh, John Reed's performance I think um there's some very notable stuff again I think it's when when Elton wakes up and he's invited his family over and he meets him and he's like kicking him out the house just before his family arrive. the dialogue in that scene and the way it's performed by Richard Madden is so good I was just like that's like because he doesn't care like he he like he's getting you know, excuse, mm. excuse. He's
1: getting sucked off by an intern. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know, Elton John wants to talk about their relationship, and then he sees him cheating on him. Mm, mm. Uh, and then it's you know, argument. What are my parents doing here? Oh, uh, you didn't know you invited. I invited them two weeks ago, and he's like, No, I meant next week. It is next week. Mm, yeah. I think that's such a good scene. And the other scene that follows right after that is after Elton ODs and jumps in the pool when he's being taken away oh, yeah, on yeah. the stretcher. Uh, Richard Madden goes up to him and he's like god you're so selfish for
0: ODing yeah yeah <laughs> like, yeah, you, so self indulgent prick or something he says and it's yeah. like oh, oh my it's... god like give it a rest man I love that again like some of the and it's weird because it's played off I don't know if it's meant to be played off comedically but there's like a line in this again in that sort of scene where I think his parents arrive and he like leans into it out and he's kind of like you know clean yourself up because you fucking stink and I don't know why yeah. but that just made me, that always makes me laugh because it's just such a I mean, I don't know whether that was intentional. I suppose if it wasn't intentional, then that's a criticism. But I still, I find it's a good line. It like rolls off the tongue, and I think I feel like John Reed's character in this is like believably an arsehole not just yeah the textbook arsehole for whatever reason.
1: The other line that gets me with John Reed is um, I'll be collecting my paycheck way after you've killed yourself. Yeah, that's... Like, there's no love in the relationship anymore. It's true, like, I'm only here for the money. I
0: don't care what happens to Mm, you. Exactly, yeah. That's... that's, Yeah, it's a very powerful line. Again, they use that... Did they use that in the trailer? I think they might use it in the trailer. I I think so, yeah. It's a brilliant line and it's so well done. Again, like, both of their performances in those sort of later scenes are so well put together and so well done the chemistry between them two both in a loving sense and in like a despising sense is so yeah. like well done and it takes a good couple actors to be able to actually do that i was gonna say what do you and i know you're the one asking the questions here what
1: i want to know though, what is your favorite line throughout this entire oh film because i know mine i know mine very well i want to get it tattooed on my body i love it so much
0: oh i don't know i mean there is one line but more because it's again like for me it's a one that makes me sort of smile a little bit. I mean tell me yours and I and I'll, and I'll let you know what mine is.
1: Mine is right before Pinball Wizard. It's people don't pay to see Reginald Dwight. They pay to see Elton John. That's a that girl, kills that's me. a great
0: line. Mine is not as good as that. <laughs> I love that line. That is such a it's, a it's a line that works so well with the theme of the film as well and like who he is as a person. Um, mine was at the end of the film where he says, uh, "I started acting like a cunt in 1975 I think that's again like I don't know why, but it just I'm like, yeah, I get it. That I it's,
1: I, it's a funny line. I've been there, and then he follows <laughs> up with, "I just forgot to stop."
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's just yeah. There's so many great lines in this film, though. I mean, there's a certain I don't know. I try to think now, if it's up my head because I, I obviously like. The mind goes to like the musical scenes but beyond that i think there's some fantastic dialogue in this film in places i feel like again like however some of it's ham-fisted in a little bit i think my issues with this film come in terms of like themes like thematically is this yeah a good film and it's not thematically consistent throughout and i think that's where most of my issues come from with this um however like the performances i still think are good i think even though the writing isn't ideal in some places, like the dialogue, the scenes of just individual like bits of dialogue without it cutting away to anything are great. Again, like the conversation with the Dad, most of the conversations between Elton and John. I um, <laughs> that in a weird way. Right between I Elton and, <laughs> and, no, I caught that. I said that in a I weird way, that. but yeah, you know who I mean. Elton, John, and John Reed, is, I, John I didn't Reed. really think <laughs> of it like that. Um, but yeah, no, I think those scenes are the highlights of it. And I think, again, a lot of that does come down to the performance. I try to think. If I, a pro- I mean, the only performance I don't like in this film, which I addressed earlier, is Bryce Dallas Howard as um, Elton's mom, to be honest. She's, I don't know. She was,
1: I just think it's, it doesn't feel like his mom, in all honesty. Mm. it more. In my opinion, it feels like his, like a, an ex-girlfriend who's just living with him. Because part of it is like, I think she just, everything that she hates about, like El- Elton's mother mm. uh, hates about her father. She just, Drills into her son because it's the only reminder of her past relationship is this kid Uh, But I going back I love the writing of this because you know when I was watching it the second time obviously unless you own a movie theater You can't pause something when you're watching Mm -hmm. a movie in a movie theater Uh, When I was watching this back, there's a lot of things that, like, if you didn't, like, again, small things that if you didn't, like, know about Elton John, or Bernie Taupin's life, for that matter, you're like, wow, that's funny. There's a line right in the beginning where Elton John is, like, performing for the first, like, record label, Mm. uh, and he's, the the other guy is like, I'm gonna shoot the next piano player that plays Songs of Laredo. That's a reference to Don't Shoot Me, I'm Just the Piano Player, which was one of Elton's biggest record hits. the name of and like another one is when Bernie Taupin meets the uh, like the girl in uh, the Troubadour Mm. and they like go off together and Elton John sings Tiny Dancer that woman represents Heather represents Bernie Taupin's first wife so like I like the writing there but also again if you didn't know that like it's kind of pointless
0: I think yeah and I think that's the interesting thing is I think for diehard like Elton John fans and people who know the stuff and know the behind the scenes know the story there's a lot there to be enjoyed as someone, like myself, who didn't really know too much about his life going into it, um, I was surprised, uh, and I did also enjoy it, but I think there were a lot of aspects where I think the writing's great, the dialogue is great, but the writing does include also when things transition into other things, and I think that is where my issues again come with this film, the way it transitions from one thing into another, um, from a serious scene into a musical scene, from this into that, etc yeah <laughs> as a well as a graduate now
1: but and you are still but as media people mm. I would love to like get my hands on the script and just see what like some like the transitions were written mm. in as like the script itself yeah
0: same actually cause like yeah.
1: I, I think it would be really interesting to be like you know we keep going back to it, but like Elton blasts off into a plane
0: I would love to see how that's written yeah. out of the script I, I, w- I would be interested to see how that's like pitched you know as well like where he you know like the, cause that entire segment's great then you're like oh he stands there, it like he turns into like a, a rocket and then fires up and then it explodes onto the plane and then cuts to him in the plane doing another serious scene.
1: Right, I think it again yeah. if it was a if it was a onstage thing, I think it would make more sense because like you'd have stage direction be like like center stage mm, mm. like Taron Egerton does this, uh, and then it's like you know. If it was on stage, it would probably be, like, with harnesses and, like, on a harness and then harnesses lifted. Yeah, Like, that's, like, theatre talk. How in God's good name do you write that in a script for a movie? I have no idea.
0: I I think it's interesting as well. Um, I think... uh, I I think... I'm trying to think of how to word this. But I think the way they've um, put certain scenes like this together is... you know, I I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm it's sure, it's yeah.
1: it's fantastical. That's the way that I describe yeah. it. It's fantastical, uh, not in the sense of it. it well, it is fantastic, mm, but like mm. it is. It's fantasy. It's fantasy. That's what it is. I
0: think. Yeah, and I think that's the interesting part. And I think there's a there's a conversation to be had about um, creative input, which I think I want to talk more about in the third part of this. So I'm going to save that's that fine, for yeah. then. Um, but like that's sort of about like how much the creative team is involved with it and specifically with the point here is again um and this is a point that i think max and zara raised me a little bit is that like if elton john wasn't involved with this film or elton john wasn't with us anymore the scene where he like tries to kill himself falls in the pool and then is back on stage and turns into a rocket and flies into the plane that would be so insensitive like so incredibly insensitive to his like mental health like a very serious part of his life but because he's involved with the film because he's like alive and he survived through that it's almost just like oh well it's fine we can do this but part yeah. of me is kind of like would there not have been a more sensitive way of handling that generally and again we'll get more into involvement and what that can affect things in a film and all that sort yeah, of thing. yeah
1: that, that's something i wanted to touch on because like i i, I mean like personally i know how much elgin john not like personally i know the guy i wish but mm. I like, I know how much he was like genuinely involved in this, but also yeah, we can save that for the next the next third of, of this of the podcast. I, I
0: think it's just interesting because like should a film take the liberty of because he's still alive, because he's involved to do this? Was it Elton John's idea to do this, or was it Dexter Fletcher's as the filmmaker behind it? We don't know. Um and it makes me wonder that if he was dead, how would how else would they have done it? Would they have done it differently? They would have had to have done. And if they didn't do it differently, I think it would be kind of insulting. I think it would be very, ooh, don't know how I feel about that. And I still yeah. get a little bit of that when I'm watching specifically that scene. Um, when, you know, again, like attempted suicide is such a big thing. And I do, again, love the transition of this scene. But again, going from the pool to the ambulance to thing and then being on stage and then turning into a rocket i think it's just the turning into the rocket bit that i feel is un- insensitive we keep going back to that I, d- I do but there's probably a good reason behind that i feel like again i know it's such a minor thing but it's also like okay like
1: it's a major minor thing yeah
0: it's like I mean, it is it's a such a small part of the film but it sticks out because it, in such a pivotal part of his life around that time and it's such a pivotal part of the film that it makes me go like oh that's if that wasn't there, it would be slightly more sensitive to that sort of thing. Not just with Elton John, you know, trying to kill himself, but like people who are also generally kind of suffering with that, those feelings, it can, I don't know, it it gave me like a red flag a little bit, I guess, is what I'm saying. And I know that, again, this will be talked about a little bit more when it comes to like um, involvement of the creative behind, like that the film's about um, with the creative team making the film. We'll talk about that in a bit. I want to. Yeah, I think there's. I want to interject yeah. for
1: a sec because, like, I'm thinking about like also like involvement of the people who are still alive mm. in Elton John's life. So there's, if you think about it, it's Bernie Taupin, who obviously probably had some say in mm. this. And, yeah, I know we're going to go into this later, but the other people I think that we're forgetting, but that I would love to know if they had any say in this, was uh, Elton's two half brothers who are still alive, who like have a very probably different idea of what his father was mm. like, uh, and Elton John's ex-wife because she's like. That scene where he gets married and he's like – like his mom is like happy for him because he's Mm. like – he's straight now. I think that's such a crazy scene because then they get – like I think they get divorced in real life three years later. But it seems like it's like a month later they get divorced in the film. Uh, And it's all because like you know he's like – they're at breakfast. They're sleeping in separate beds Mm. and they're at breakfast and he fills a a glass like half full of vodka and then pours O.J. in. Mm. And then he's like, I'm sorry. I know, because he's an alcoholic. Mm. Like I think that's such a great scene. But like I would have loved to know if his ex-wife genuinely had any say about like this in the actual film.
0: Yeah, and I think it's interesting because also again, when it comes to a film trying to interpret real events, there does have to be some leeway because you can't just do everything in real time. You do have to take shortcuts. It's just some of those. I think again, you make a good point there. Is like I wonder if they were talked about. It makes me wonder what like John Reed thinks of this film because he's alive. Has he seen yeah. this? Does he does he does he agree with it? Does he think that he's a dick? Does he regret it? I don't know. I I
1: would I would love to know that because like there has to, I would hope that there has to be some regret in John Reed's life. If again maybe he didn't treat Elton exactly the way this is Elton's perspective of, of how John Reed treated him, but like at the same time like i don't know if if this if i a film was made about me in a poor light would i really want to walk into a movie theater and watch this just like beratement of me like how would i feel afterwards
0: yeah i guess I, i mean that's that's true but i also feel like as well after this long after like two three years you kind of be like okay i've got to watch it like you've got to see what that's like i mean everyone talks about like you know Especially, like, as well, because he was in Bohemian Rhapsody as well. I wonder if he's seen either of these films and what he (laughs) thinks of this. Because, you know, with him being sort of... Not the villain in both, because he wasn't really in Bohemian Rhapsody a villain as such. He was just a bit of a dick and then he got thrown out. With this, he was, like, a dick. I would genuinely be interested to see, like, what that's like. Especially, probably, since he wasn't consulted for either film, what that would be like. I
1: think it's also the fact of, like... It, it till the very end of rocket man they they just tear john reed apart because like in the and we'll, we'll get into it more but like in in the credits we get the like flipping of like elton like what he's doing mm. now and the first the first or second one is like him and david furnish his his husband mm. now but it's like he's married to david furnish for like i think 15 20 years now and he's properly loved right there it's like yes he's properly loved because throughout this whole thing john reed is such a dick mm. that he didn't give him love Like, imagine uh, watching through all that and you're like, all right, finally, like, the AA scene happened. Mm. I don't have to see my character be a dick anymore. Oh, here's the credits. I'm still reminded that I'm a dick.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think, I don't know, it's an interesting one because there's, again, obviously we will talk about this in a bit, but I think it's interesting because it obviously is Elton's perspective. I would kill to see what John Reed's perspective was on that, was on his, like, life, and especially with Elton what that was like because it had to be such a secret thing yet in the film he almost doesn't really care about that and then when it's not really he's not really into it anymore he's just an arsehole and i think that's such an interesting like interpretation but again it's like it comes back to these things of it's thankfully it works in john reed's favor for this film fact, it worked because richard yeah. madden does a really good performance of it but this again goes back to just touching on the last point about casting about Bryce Dallas Howard playing Elton's mum. I feel like because of the fact that they could only consult Elton about what she was like, right? there's like no way around how you interpret that. You can't interpret that any other way because he's the only one who could give that perspective and if he hates his mum, which he clearly does, that's gonna come across in almost quite a pantomime kind of way. I don't think that she was written yeah. very well. And I don't think... That I don't like how they aged her either. Mm.
1: I don't like how they aged her. She got... She looked really strange as, like, an older woman. Mm. Like, I think, like, when... God, that must have been, like, the 1950s when he was a kid, right? Like, that makes sense, Mm. like, time-wise? Yeah. In the 1950s, like, the way that they're dressed and, like, how she looks as a person, she looks like a normal 1950s mother, Mm. regardless of, you know... I've never seen a British mom, but, uh, you know, I I can base it on 1950s America. That's what it looked like. As she got older... It didn't look like she aged at all. It just looked like she got a different haircut, <laughs> in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. And I'm like, I guess that's like significant of like the times changing, but like, like come on, like I yeah. like the the his stepdad who he calls dad, like he looks different. Yeah. Like he genuinely ages in the film. I think he has like gray like sideburns, or like mm. he has grayer hair. Mm. She does haircut. That's the only difference, and that's a big gripe I have. Is just the style of how they did his mother.
0: Yeah, I think. For me, I think that's the one character in this film that just... I think because of all the other performances across the board and all the other looks of the character and everything like that, they're all good, like, across the board. And I like Bryce Dallas Howard as an actress, um, as well as a director. She's brilliant. But I'm like, I don't understand what happened with this film. Like, why is she just sticking out like a sore thumb for me? Like, specifically, her. Like the dad is pretty good. The dad has some good scenes. But even in the serious scenes, I feel like it's just such a... Like, a one-note performance where it's, like, she's been given, like, a couple of notes about, basically, your character's a bitch, your character, like, doesn't, isn't very supportive of your, like, son. That's, like, it. That's kind of how I feel about it. It's, like, okay, you're just miserable, but there's no exploration as to why. There's no exploration as to, like, why that's there. But there's also no, like, character development. She's the same character all the way through. The dad does change. The dad is a dick. You kind of understand maybe why. He doesn't actually like his wife, and he's just trying to find the first excuse to get out of there. He doesn't, like, hate Elton, but he he doesn't feel any attachment to him either.
1: I think it's a lot of emotional abuse, especially, mm. like, all all Elton... Like, in the beginning, all that Elton John wants, or I guess Reggie Dwight, if you want to call him that, mm. is a hug from his father. Mm. That's, like, that's, like, the center point. He just wants a hug from his dad. Like, in the beginning, he's like, is he gonna hug me yet? And then when he finally leaves after the wife cheats on him... He's like, he didn't even hug me before, he, you know, he left. Mm. Like, but also like, yeah, he's an extremely cold person. The, the, there's the scene where uh, Reggie tries to bond with him when he's listening to jazz records. Uh, and he's like holding his hand. He's like, this one is really cool. And then he like snatches it out of his hand. And he's like, never touch my record collection. Yeah. Like he loves the records more than his own son. Yeah, no,
0: no. I, I, there's an interesting one. I just feel like there's a, almost like he's not his son. Almost like, I guess that's kind of how he feels a little bit. Um, I think he thinks he's a burden I think there's more development there than there is with Elton's mum is my point I think is that yeah the dad has he's dick and you know he's definitely not like you know good but there is development there and even when he sees Elton when he's older he still accepts that Elton's his son but not quite in the way that you want there's still development there there's still character it feels like a believable person the only one who doesn't is the mum for me I, I just, I feel I like can... she doesn't change this entire film. I feel like she's the same character from beginning to end and doesn't change. And maybe that's how Elton interpreted it. But it, because it's... Uh, that's what I was yeah. going to say. But, yeah. I think that... I understand I, that. I
1: think it makes for a better story. I think it makes for a better story, in all honesty. Like, not in the sense of, like, again, I think the mother, like, we couldn't have had a little bit more, like, depth about her. But I think that if if both of his parents, right had a change in some way or another, I think the film would be drastically different. Of course. Of right? Course. So, like, you know, it's a very big thing when we see, like, the dad with the new family and everything, and that's a huge, like, breaking point for this character. But, like, what even would be the breaking point for the mom? Mm. Like, in Elton's eyes. Is it when he calls her and he's like, I'm gay, and she's like, I know? Because, again, that scene was so blank to me because it's like, no, Every, I knew. Yeah. I knew you were gay this whole time. I, I just hope you know that you're never going to be loved. Hang up. Yeah. Like, what?
0: I know a lot of people are, like very uh, supportive of that scene because it's obviously like a you know it, it's good to have those sort of coming out scenes in films and, and sort of normalize it and I totally agree but in terms of performance I think again it feels very blank I don't feel anything when I watch that other than with Taryn's performance and I understand the whole thing is the mom doesn't care the mom's just waiting to watch her son on tv it's just kind of like it's still weird, though. It's still a weird interpretation. It's still a weird performance because there doesn't feel like there were any character notes given there. And Bryce Dallas Howard yeah, is way... not a bad actress. She can no, she's, do she's a great. good job. I just think she wasn't given enough. And it feels weird only it... because everyone else is so developed. Everyone else has such a in-depth character. She doesn't. And that's why it sticks out. Not because it's, like, in a, you know, lots of different characters. I I feel like her, like... The person she ends up marrying, like Fred, or whatever his name is, like,
1: yeah, he.
0: If anything, I feel like he has more has development more depth. and depth than yeah. she does. <laughs> At least he's like he influences the haircut, and he like he seems to get on with him. But then later on, he's a bit like a bit of an arsehole A little bit like to just too supportive as his mom, relying on Elton to sort of give him a nice house or whatever. But like there feels that there's more depth there. His mom maybe yeah, is wh- just a bit thick, but I just think by yeah,
1: Oh, sorry. By the end of the film, he calls him dad. Like he doesn't like call him like friend <coughs> anymore. Yeah, yeah. Whatever yeah. his name is anymore. He calls him dad, which like I again like I, I think that that's huge mm. for like your stepson to call you dad. I can't relate I yeah, to yeah. that. I don't have a kid. Uh, but yeah, like I think that's a that's a huge uh, part. But like also I the one thing is I do like how there's not a lot of development with the mom, but like. Elton still treats her like complete trash and it makes me laugh, which sounds terrible. But like the scene that gets me every time laughing um, is that scene where he goes to call uh, his mom to tell him that he's uh, tell the mom that he's gay. And she's like, I'm just waiting for you to come on. The-. And like before, like she even finishes, shut up, mom. Like, yeah. it's just such a funny moment to me because like it's again, such an underdeveloped character. But Elton has so much kind of hate for mm. her. Where I think it's a little bit funny because we don't know why he really has that much hate for her, besides like oh she's mean to him yeah
0: I mean there's definitely like an element of that I think it's just interesting and it is again down to the interpretation of Elton John and how what what he gave I just kind of wish that the filmmakers had a little bit more input to go actually we want to do is we want to give his mother a little bit more development however we will talk about that in the next segment. In the third um, part, with yeah. With sort of the, uh, so not, in, not interference as such, but the sort of inclusion of having the uh, talent involved directly with the film. Uh, but before we do that, we're gonna also be doing our second segment, which is, and I love saying this, the 64K ultra mega high definition range. We'll be doing that after the break. So see you in a bit. Hello and welcome back to the final part of our Rocketman review for Spill Your Beans. Before we get on to um, the last little bit where we talk about sort of summing up the film, the music, and obviously the sort of um, involvement of creative talents with the film that's about them, we're going to be doing our little segment, one of our two little segments that we do on this podcast. And this is called, and I love to say it, the 64K Ultra Mega High Definition Range. So we ask our guests to basically give us a film that they want in this top tier exclusive collection you know move aside criterion get out of the way like steal books this is the number one like the most exclusive like if your film makes it to this ah oh, what what, a, what a, an amazing day that would be this is top tier and you get the lucky job of deciding one film that you would want to put in this collection Again, you can mention, uh, mention some honorable mentions if you want to. But what is your choice for the 64K Ultra Mega High Definition range?
1: God, I, so I have two in mind, and I've been wrestling with this, you know, mm. for a while now. I'm, yeah, I'm going to stick to this. So I'm going to give one honorable mention, which is Isle of Dogs. Oh. I I love Isle of Dogs. You know, I lo- stop motion is amazing to start with, and I think it has such a just bang-up cast of, like, Bill Murray, Yoko Ono, like, all these different people. Uh, and also, Quentin Tarantino is just an amazing director, so... Mm. Uh, but if I had to, you know, put this in... Uh, could you say the title again? I'm so sorry.
0: The 64K Ultra Mega High Definition Range.
1: <laughs> yes, thank you so much. Uh, I'm going to go with, you know, what... Uh, what the, My favorite film, I've seen it seven times, uh, The Lighthouse. I... I love there it so much. You, it's finally, <laughs> finally here. It's finally here, finally. folks.
0: My two like my two favorite films are now both in this collection without me even having to say a word. Go on, tell us what you love about the lighthouse, and I'll join in in a minute.
1: Oh my god what what don't I love? I don't see a single problem with the lighthouse. I think the way it's shot. It's shot at number one. It's shot on old cameras, which is just so cool mm-hmm. to start with. Um, the story of just. Two, literally, the, the cast is three people, well, really four. It, it's, you know, two guys locked in a lighthouse, a mermaid, and then a dead guy. Mm. Like, it's just everything about the film. I God, where do I even begin? <laughs> uh, Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe as the two main characters in this, they do such a good job of just showing how solitude can break someone. Mm. Like, my God... My God, I couldn't even imagine being on an island for what seems like months, mm. just doing the same job over and over again in such rough conditions. Uh, my favorite line besides, you know, why'd you spill your beans, Tommy, has to be Willem Defoe uh, punching uh, Robert Pattinson in the head and just going, it's bad luck to kill a seabird, lad. Yeah, it's, it's
0: just... This, yeah. It's so I mean, there's a good. reason why this podcast is named after it. It is one of if not my favorite film currently um and it's so beautifully put together there's a lot of talk about william defoe's elevated language in this uh, that he uses which is almost like so strange how you managed to make a totally serious drama which does have some like funny bits in it but a totally serious drama with one of the characters speaking in almost this very stereotypical piratey kind of language yeah gibberish yeah. And it's so well put together, and it works. It's scary. Willem Dafoe is brilliant in this. Robert Pattinson is brilliant in this. It's, it's an incredible film, and I'm very happy uh, to accept that into the uh, sort of uh, collection we've got. I'm not gonna say it again. I've, I've wasted wished i have already saying that, but yeah. Um, the, I wanna say quickly to, to the listeners out there, if you, have, if you have like an
1: hour and a half two hours. Watch The Lighthouse. Please watch The Lighthouse. Because, let me say right now, the ending might confuse you, but if you're into Greek mythology, the ending will really make you smile. Mm. That that I'll just leave mm. it at that.
0: I think it's... I don't want to say too much about it, because obviously, like, I think people should go into this film not knowing anything, if they can. Absolutely. Um, do If you know anything, or if you know, like, bare minimum, like, watch it. Obviously watch it if you haven't seen it and you still know loads about it, but, like, if you don't know anything, don't look it up. Don't get into that. Just watch it. It's a brilliant film. It's it, it stunned me. I remember when I first saw the trailer, I thought, oh, this looks interesting. And I never really got around to watching it um, for ages. And then I finally stumbled upon it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to watch this, like, three or four more times, like, in the next month.
1: Do do be careful who you watch it with. Um, only for the the fact I say that is because Robert Pattinson uh, jerks off at least, I <laughs> yeah, think, three it is, times yeah, in the it's film. it's an adult
0: film. I mean, it is, it, it's a... <laughs> You make a good point there. <laughs>
1: I, I had to disclose yeah. that, man. Like, it, I had to say that to my friend. I was like, she's a huge fan of Robert Pattinson. I was like, Robert Pattinson, you have to watch this. She's like, I can't wait. And then we get to the first scene of him jerking it off in the uh, in the shed. And she's <laughs> like, I don't like Robert Pattinson anymore. Oh, <laughs> no.
0: Yeah. I, I think, it, yeah, it's a brilliant film. though, And I think, um I, it genuinely one of these films that I just watched and I think this is like, I mean, yeah, you can pick, you can nitpick things, but it, it's flawless like it is absolutely absolutely good um but yeah that that is the lighthouse and that is in the 64k ultra mega high definition range now that's great um (laughs) i hope at some point to do a podcast on that um on this on the lighthouse talk about it for hours it would probably be the longest podcast i'd ever do if i did do it but, um, you know, it only makes sense, maybe down the road. But yeah, no, um, continuing on with the um, podcast, which, we're, we're, the film that we're talking about, not the podcast that we're talking about, um, Rocket Man. We sort of uh, t- kept saying that we're going to talk about this after the break, after the break. And this is um, about sort of involvement of a creative um, with the film, and the, like the person specifically that the film is about, um, mostly in comparison to Bohemian Route City and um, Rocket Man. To touch upon both very similar films, both of which, I mean, the first one obviously was directed mostly by Brian Singer and finished off by Dexter Fletcher when Brian Singer turned out to be a pedo or whatever it was. Um, uh, <laughs> and then, obviously, this, so both had Dexter Fletcher involved, both are musical biopics, both came out very similar times, um, and both of which had different levels of involvement with the creative teams. One, obviously, the band members of Queen, and obviously, this one had. Um, Elton John and Bernie Taupin Um, what do you think that sort of does to affect a film like this like how for worse and for better do you think
1: I think that again because Elton John is still alive thank God uh, you know a lot of this well all of it is through his perspective you can't get like what history saw it's what Elton saw and what he wants every character to be portrayed as however i also just know from researching this film enough that he didn't have a lot when when it came down to like the filming of it right elton john refused to go to most of these tapings yeah because for some of these like you said earlier it's very imagine watching the an actor play you trying to kill yourself
0: like would you i wouldn't i wouldn't christ yeah that actually hit me when you said that i didn't actually think about that that's that would be horrible
1: yeah so there was a lot of scenes that he didn't show up for just for that reason. And also the other thing that he said in an interview was that he wanted to be – like he didn't watch Rocket Man the first time until the debut of Rocketman mm. uh, because he wanted to be genuinely surprised about it, which I think is pretty cool. And that's great, yeah. Um, but there was like everything else he had creative say over. They would bring him like models of the sets and he'd, they, like he would have to approve it. It wasn't like Dexter Fletcher specifically. Even, there were some times even where Bernie Taupin, like, for clothing, would approve what he was, like, what Jamie Bell was wearing. Like, yeah. in that sense, I think that's a fair thing to do if you're, again, still alive, and this is your movie or your character mm. for that matter. That's fine. But at the same time, I think that the, the picture was ruined. A, I don't want to say ruined, but, again, because it's only Elton's yeah. perspective i'm i would love to see a a movie from a different character's perspective like john reed i would love to see how he because yeah you know went but out through with this. these
0: things you're always going to have that thing where like you're never going to have another biopic of elton john's life that's never going to happen now so it's sort of like it's a shame in a way because of this involvement that we're never going to see certain things as they actually happened because i'd love to know more about yeah. it and, without reading a wikipedia page or you know and I think there's a there's a big comparison. I don't know if you've seen the um, oh god, I'm not I'm not sure if this is right. I think it might be is it the Sainsbury's advert? I was in the UK a few years ago. Oh, um, I know it's, it's, a it's um, Elton John's it's, life. It's yeah, from, yeah. Like, yeah like, well, I, the piano and getting his first piano and all that sort of thing.
1: I studied that when when I was at your uni. They played that mm. ad because uh, I was in a class about like advertising in the media, and that was the first thing they showed mm. us.
0: Yeah, I think that's like it's interesting because I look at that and go that feels in some places even though it's just an advert more real than what we see in this film maybe because of the way it's shot maybe because of the interpretations and i don't like it's not a huge criticism of the film like i do like it but i feel like when it comes to like a realistic interpretation i don't think we're ever going to see that and i personally think that's a bit of a shame and the same goes for bohemian rhapsody but on a different note if anything rocket man holds up to me better maybe it's not a better film overall it's totally up to you to decide that but i think when it comes to like involvement of the creatives who the film is about when like Elton John's alive like he has his say he can do this he can do that and the fact that he stood away from a lot of it that's a good thing the opposite can be said about Bohemian Rhapsody where Freddie isn't alive and the band right. members of Queen did choose to have certain elements of the life included and not included again mentioned before with the whole you know um sexuality thing the drug use Alcohol etc. They kept it quite tame, you know And I don't want to bring up this note because I'm not saying I would have liked to have seen this in Bohemian Rhapsody But infamously like Queen had parties where you'd have dwarves walking around with like lines of cocaine on their head that people would just snort off like
1: (laughs) Well, that's news to me. There's this thing.
0: I think it was like talked about ages ago It's like they had like trays on their head They'd walk around people would snort lines off the tray, which was balanced on these poor guys head (laughs) Um, Which is insane but like, I'm not saying I want to see that in the film, but it's like, I do not... when I, If I watch Bohemian Rhapsody, I do not feel that that, is, that would ever happen in this world. And that's the problem. Really? It's like, I feel like it's been too censored and not accurately portrayed. And obviously, there's the famous thing of um, the whole AIDS thing with Bohemian Rhapsody, yeah. where it didn't happen exactly how it happened in the film. And that's not just saying a dialogue or whatever like that, but like the timings of it. He didn't know that he had AIDS before he did Live Aid. Like, he did not know that. Did I, he? I, I'm i pretty sure that was a big thing at the time. He didn't know it, and then, you know, it, it sort of... Uh, he found out after.
1: Trying to, I'm just trying to think back, as I God, I haven't seen... I haven't seen Bohemian Rhapsody in quite yeah, some time. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> but, like... <laughs> but part of... I mean, I think that Rocketman does that, but in different ways. Because, like, I, again... Elton John didn't want to stray away from him doing like drugs and being a sex Mm. addict and like all the, I mean, he says it right in the beginning at the AA meeting, like all these things that he's addicted Mm. to. Um, And like, we very graphically see him like doing cocaine and bleeding from the nose and like taking pills. I think that's again, really important, but there's other parts of the film where it's just not true. Like in the beginning, um, when he's trying to think of his name, he, I I want to be Elton Dean, he says, and then like, a few minutes yeah. later he figures out it's Elton John, but he looks at a picture of the Beatles and sees John Lennon. That's not no, how he decided no. to be Elton John. That that is a complete mm. lie. But I think I'd rather that lie than Bohemian Rhapsody's lie. Not lies, but like But you that's know what, what I was
0: mean. saying earlier with Rocketman. Because it is so um, you know, unapologetically camp and, and does all these things that it just it's not taking itself too seriously. So then you come to stuff like again when there is something slightly inaccurate, it doesn't really matter. Like, I know that the whole thing about him getting his name from a picture of, like, the Beatles isn't true. But I just accept it because it's fun. And in the rest of the film, like, again, he turns into a rocket and hits a plane. And you, you get my point. It's like, I know we keep bringing that up, but it's, like, it's totally unrealistic. I'm not expecting that. But in Bohemian Rhapsody... He's a rocket man. In Bohemian Rhapsody, all the songs are played out in the era that they did. You really... They, it's, it's really driving home this historically accurate type thing. So when something is interfered with... It feels more severe. And again, I'm not saying I wanted to have, um, like, drug-fueled alcohol parties or whatever and I really explore Freddie's sexuality because, again, he's not there. He can't give the green light on that. He might not have been comfortable with that part of his life being out there. Right. So he can't do that. But on the flip side of that, if it feels like it's being censored or changed and altered by the band, who, again, aren't filmmakers, that really kind of irks me a bit. And I'm like, no, that's that's not that's not great and I, I get like there are positives and negatives of both um but I like and it's, it's a bit of a different example but this is where I draw to stuff like Stephen King right Stephen King mm-hmm. is a phenomenal storyteller um you know through the pages of books he is he can create some fantastic worlds and build them perfectly with fantastic character development but what he is absolutely not is a filmmaker as right. shown by The Shining he despises The Shining The Shining is a masterpiece. He made his own version of The Shining; it was shit. Um, and that's sort of the example I'm giving here. And I know it's a very different kind of thing, but when these guys these guys are musicians first and foremost, like I feel it should be up to the creatives of the film um, to actually do it how they want to do it, and then tweak things, opposed to it being like we will not allow you to do any of this, like without our say.
1: Something that I wish that. Like biopics would do and it's unfortunately something that's not done often just I think because of timing mm. I wish they would ask like the smaller people like who were there mm. like mm. Uh, Like even just stagehands like did you see what it would like how was like, you know John Reed and Elton's relationship like how did you view that when you were working like on the stage or something? I would love I know that takes a lot of time and you're on a budget and just a timeline of like what you want from a film in the in the making of it but like I would love that. There's a so there's a professor, I don't know if you know this. There's a professor at well my alma mater, but your mm. uni, um, that was a stagehand for Elton John one of his tours. Mm. Uh he's a television production professor, but he he toured with Elton John I think in the late 80s and he sa- he like I asked him about Rocket Man and he was like the relationship between uh uh john reed and elton john was apparently uh, to him not as toxic as it was in the mm. film again he was only in the performance mm. aspect of elton john's life but like i find it very interesting that somebody who witnessed their relationship mm. like firsthand say something versus well the m- i don't see that from the movie at all and i knew the guy i think that's really interesting And i wish yeah. more
0: films interviewed the smaller people you get more it. smaller people in I'm sure they'd be happy to tell their story and you can build a more accurate yeah. picture. And now I'm not always saying that, like, again, it, and it's a really interesting discussion because there's no right or wrong answer. I think that Elton John's involvement with Rocket Man tarnished some elements, again, specifically, like, the mother and the family aspects. It feels very pantomime because what they were given is Elton John go, wow, oh, she's a bitch. We don't know that for sure, but, like, that's probably <laughs> yeah. what happened. But then the flip side of that, uh, are you familiar with the film, uh, I think it's... Stardust, I think it's called.
1: What's it about? Because I'm thinking the 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 other film that I'm thinking of is like a biopic is Ray Charles biopic Ray. Mm,
0: I haven't seen that.
1: But but go, but go go on about your St- film. On no, no no no.
0: Um, Stardust is a, a more recent film. I haven't seen it, but it got panned. Um, it was a biopic of David Bowie's life. Um, but interestingly, with this, it had no involvement with people who i mean i believe it had like again probably did do some of the smaller people at the time but the family didn't give their blessing on this at all oh wow they weren't allowed to use any of his music they weren't allowed to like reference things so it ended up being quite a shit film really because you know david boy's own son was like it's too soon to make a biopic and david boy's son duncan jones is a filmmaker quite a good filmmaker as well so it's a little bit difficult when it that sort of thing happens i think there's a level where actually that the the people it's about or at least the family of the people who it's about should have a say but almost not too much say because otherwise they're just making what you're describing
1: what you're describing is what ray the film about ray charles Mm. is about because ray charles isn't i mean ray charles has been dead since the 90s uh everything about like they use his music like jamie foxx plays ray charles uh He's not singing, though. It's just recordings of Ray Charles singing. But the story is told. Like, his family members and crewmates and band members were the ones who told this story. Mm. So, like, they really get into sometimes, even though, like, he was a a blind artist and, like, you know, he required a lot of help from people, both, like, physically and just, like, in in general. He still was kind of a dick sometimes. Mm. Like, he would, like, you know, he slept with, like, his wife, now ex-wife uh, he slept around a lot mm. like i would i can only assume if ray charles was alive he probably wouldn't want that in the film but like but it's, it's, what it's happened. like even yeah. like it's it's what happened and it's not only like his his ex-wife telling us, it's his own family like like his mother or not his mother his like brothers and sisters like also like apparently were interviewed being like no our brother slept around he wasn't the greatest person mm. in the world like he was a great performer wasn't the greatest person yeah. in the world and that's that's what i would love to have seen Again from Rocketman where it's like I wish we got somebody else's perspective.
0: Yeah, yeah. I feel like again that's the only part of the film. I think there's a little bit where it's like there's a few like general codes and conventions of just competent filmmaking that I just sort of dropped a little bit as I said with the transitions between diff- very different thematic scenes. Um but also I think again with that sort of thing of having more people around the family stuff I feel could have been developed a lot further. The rest of the film feels mm-hmm. like it's real in a lot of places. Family stuff doesn't feel real. It feels like a pantomime. It feels like a oversimplification of what actually was happening. Um, I don't know. There's not many. Yeah, I know. Sorry, sorry. I know there's not many people there, but it would be interesting to at least have something, like anything.
1: I I wish further down the line, because like I think we end the film around the like the late '80s, early '90s when he's in rehab. Um, but I wish that we got like the perspective of his now husband, David Mm. Furnish. I, I wish it wasn't like we get to the credits and it's just pictures of Elton and his Mm. family. Like, it's nice. And you're like, again, everything's wrapping up. He has kids now. He has a Mm. husband. That's great. I would love to see even like present day Elton John be in the film a little bit rather than just a slideshow of pictures. Mm. Cause like, I think that it would be so cool to have like even just video of him like on the red carpet or like how there's a picture at the end of him how he set up his his, his, a, a, his excuse me his AIDS charity his AIDS foundation um, all from his kitchen table I wish there was like a video of him like the actual Elton John doing something like at an event or something that has to do with that not just a picture a random picture yeah, of him
0: exactly yeah I think that's that's a good point as well I think especially with what they include and all that sort of thing I, I do agree I think. Again, when I was watching it, it, was Aaron, Max. I, you know, I don't want to speak for what they thought of the film because I know they didn't like it as much as I did. Even I, you know, even I liked it a little bit less than I did last time. There's an interesting point. Watch there's it, an, George. Watch <laughs> it. There's an interesting point that they made, which is like, it feels weird that it ends on that note, like it ends there, Yeah. because like that's not a story of his life. That's a story of his life up until rehab, which I think is fair. But I, I also like, I quite like that element of it. I think that that, that does lend to the film's um, structure, using the rehab as like a, a, a point that to refer back to. Um, I know that they didn't particularly love that, but I, I quite liked, in a way, the way it does refer back to it. It is a bit of a halt on the story sometimes, um, but it's different, you know, it's, your, it's more unique. I think again, going back to um, sort of um, involvement as well, just on a previous note, Talking about the like, Bohemian Rhapsody, there's a big thing that I have with that, a big issue that I have with that. Which isn't in Rocketman, thankfully. Um, in Rocket Man, even though Elton John was involved, like, Elton is a dick in it. Like, he's not yeah. a great guy, like he's he's alright, and he's you know, there's there's reasons for it. But like, he's not Mr. Perfect. In no. Bohemian Rhapsody, like it seems that even though it is supposed to be a biopic about Freddie or Queen in general. It seems like every band member in Queen, bar Freddie, was like made out to be perfect. And I know I have, it's been yeah. so long since I've seen it, but it's like everything that happened, every conflict, it was always Freddie's fault. And I'm like, Freddie's not here to tell his side of the story. So I don't know why, to why defend they go, oh no, we were always right. I mean, that's a bit odd. You know what I mean?
1: Well, I mean, you can you can also make the point that by the time that Queens split up, like, why would you why would you want to assign blame to yourself? Mm. Assign it to the person that literally can't defend themselves. That, yeah,
0: and I, and I I would agree with that, especially in their perspective. But at the same time, that just that's a bit morbid to me. That's a little bit like you're friends with this guy. Like, come on. I mean, you might hide your tiffs, you might hide your fallen outs, but like. You respect this guy. You love this guy. Do you... It just rubbed me up the wrong way that those who are directly involved with the film come out looking amazing. And Freddy comes out looking like a bit of a dick, but, you know, and causes most of the issues, but, you know, learns his lesson when he gets AIDS. You know?
1: It begs the question does the director or even the other people involved in the film do they choose to do it this way just to make the film more interesting and if that's the case i think that's kind of screwed up because like i don't think that's how you should portray i I don't know I,
0: i i don't know if that's that's what it is but like it's if someone's involved with the film i'd like to think they could be impartial i know it's about them and it has their life in it but like I, I, it just, it always rubbed me up the wrong way that when I came out of Bohemian Rhapsody, I was like, it is a bit weird how all of those guys who happen to be directly involved with the making of the film and make a lot of the creative decisions, it's not just like Elton John where he wasn't there, like, these guys were there. These guys what like, yeah. our producers on the project, executive producers. You know, they even kicked Sasha Baron Cohen off the project when they wanted to make it more real. It's kind of like, I don't know. it's a li- It does get me a little bit because I'm kind of like, yeah, these guys shouldn't be coming out perfectly because that doesn't feel that's exactly what happened. Well,
1: no one's oh. perfect. That's just a, that's just the fact mm. of life. No one's perfect. I would love to hear what Rami Malek had to say about portraying Freddie Mercury in mm. this way because, you know, Taron Egerton, like, he even, like, knows... Like, Elton has said to him, like, I'm not a great mm. person, and you can tell in this film he's not a great mm. person. Um... But, like, I can only imagine for Rami Malik what it was... Like, how, I guess, guilty you would feel playing a dead man just, like, kind of just, like, stomping on his name a little yeah,
0: bit. Yeah, and I don't I don't think it was, like, as extreme, but I think it's, like... It's an interesting thing, especially talking about involvement with the film. Elton John, in some places, uh, I, I think, didn't contribute enough in terms of the family stuff, and that did affect it. And anyone who Elton John doesn't like looks like an arsehole in this film. But at the same time, when it yeah. comes to himself, he is realistic about it he's like i wasn't a great guy i made mistakes you know i'm i still wasn't a perfect guy when i came out of the you know, whole rehab thing but like it, it's not about that like he's he's a real person and that's what makes it feel a lot more believable whereas like freddie is like that in bohemian rhapsody but like it's the band members who were directly involved and those right. almost come out blameless like all the decisions it's like them but they're the ones going like oh come on freddie you're being a bit of a dick like you know do this do that it's like okay i i don't know there's some there's, I... there's an interesting discussion to be had again there's no right or wrong answer i think it'll be interesting to see what people, uh, other people think about this but for me personally that always sort of rubbed me up the wrong way especially with bohemian rhapsody but also acts as a positive for rocket man i suppose
1: i uh, yeah I wish too for Rocket Man. There was again. I wish David Furnish was a little bit more involved because by the time we reach AA, it's around the time that they meet, and his mom is still like Elton John's mom was still alive at this point. If you wanted it, like God, I wish there was like maybe like like an after scene mm. or something. You know, like I, you know how like everybody waits around in the theater for like, oh, I want yeah. to sing after the credits. Yeah. I I wish there was specifically about now because the thing is is that. Like, there was problems with his mother, apparently, after Elton got married to David Furnish. Like, she hated David, because she was like, you're taking my son away from me, and, you know, you're going to ruin his life. I don't know why, you know, I'm not his Mm. mom, but I would have loved to see that in the film. Because, I mean, David Furnish was, he's, like, famous, I think he's, like, I don't know, to be honest, I don't know what he's famous for. Mm. It's something. Um, But... I want to know why I want to know that relationship of like when he's finally apparently happy like we end on a happy note He's married. He has kids. I would love to know because there's still anguish mm. in his life at this point His mother is still berating him about being a gay man I think that'd be really interesting mm. to mm. focus in on and I also think there, there's parts of Elton John's life even now that he's retiring in like a year or two like he's going to go on tour After the pandemic and that's his last tour forever. It's the goodbye yellow brick or the farewell yellow brick road tour. It's mm. his last tour That's fine. But there's something that, like, is cool to me from, like, an American's perspective. Eminem, Mm. the rapper, has a very, very good relationship with Elton John because Eminem struggled with drugs Mm. for years and then went to Elton John to get sober. Like, I think even that would be cool of just, like, mentioning that in the film where, like, celebrities came to Elton John, a notorious, you know, alcoholic and drug user, for help. I think that's really big, too.
0: I I I, I, but I again, totally agree with that. I think yeah. that's it's such an important part, but I think as well for the film I don't know if that's something that they could explore. Um you only have so yeah. much time. And they managed to they managed to make it even even within 2 hours it was quite, you know, quite fast paced and I think it ends on the right note. Um you know, obviously it'd be more interesting to see the sort of later parts of, the, of his life, but would that work in the story structure point of view? I'm not really too sure. Um, that's that's the fair. one thing you can no no no, no oh, that's right go, go on, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay fine <laughs> um
1: I, I wanted i wanted to talk about the the music for a sec because yeah, you know yeah, we're yeah. talking about the ending i think i'm still standing was the perfect ending Course. song i just yeah. wanted to say that
0: and the way they incorporated tarry legend in, into that video is is incredible i love that i love how they yes. do that um it's a lot of fun and i love that last sort of musical number that, that it works really well i think the film ends on it on a good note and there's little bits of it where like, oh, I, I, I think it, it it's good if it wants you wanting more. You know, what I mean, that's what a film should do, I, I, I guess. Like, you don't want to be sick of it by the end of it. And the thing is, this film does have its flaws, but honestly, like, it is just a good time. And if you can just have a good time with it, I think that's exactly the kind of level you can I, I do have a bit of an interesting question in terms of Elton John's life beyond this. Because um, it's something mm-hmm. that I've always come up with and, and sort of thought about, and I'm sure I'm definitely not the first to do this. Are you familiar with the TV series The Crown?
1: Uh, I, yes, I know. I've, I haven't watched it, but I know it.
0: By the, like, next season, they're definitely going to cover Diana's death. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know why, but I'm always just a little bit like, you know, it would be really cool if they got Sharon Edgerton in to do Elton John and do, like, Candle in the Wind. Because obviously that's a really famous part of, not only his life, but, like, again, in the royal family, that's a very synonymous thing with Diana's death is Elton playing that at her funeral. Um, What do you think about that? Would you Would you want to see that? I think... I think it would be
1: well again. I don't. I, I only know parts of the crown, like the the tone mm. of it and everything. I think that would be very interesting to have Taron Egerton come in and do Candle in the Wind because he does Candle in the Wind in Rocket Man for like two seconds. He does yeah. it because he's like, it's when they're pitching different mm. songs and he plays Candle in the Wind for like two mm. seconds and they're like, no, this sounds like shit. <laughs> um, but I think that would be really cool because if you look at it from like British a British historical perspective, mm. right? Having candle in the wind coming out is a huge part in one for the royal family because the royal family is I think again I can't speak on behalf of you know your monarchy mm. <laughs> um, I think they're kind of I think they're kind of prude or at least the older people are a little mm. bit prude but all in all for to have Sir Elton John uh, you know sing this song about Princess Diana, I think it I think it's a very, Concrete moment in the royal family's life, whether you like to say it or not, for the in in the fact of letting a, a musician of the time, mm. right? The royal family being very, in my opinion, old-fashioned. Let it, this very this rock and roll star perform this song about Princess Diana. I think that's a key part in the royal mm. family's history changing a little bit, and their I guess their outlook on life and their mm. dialogue changing a little bit. I think that'd be amazing. But I mean, you know, again, I've never I- seen I've the i to see it
0: either way. Um, but I'd love to see, you know, even further to see Taron and do that and perform that song. Um, even, you know, it, it's not gonna be like like Rocketman where it's all wild and shit, but like having that like weird connectivity of having him like play that role because he is Taron and like I can't imagine anyone else playing Elton John. If they were gonna do it, get him Absolutely in for an not. episode. Get him in for like a scene in the funeral. Get him to do that. I would, I would love that. Um, <laughs> Start a start
1: a oh god, what's like a the petition. Like yeah. A yeah. petition. Start like uh yeah, you you know what I'm talking <laughs> about. If we get enough signatures, it can happen, people. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean it's not a bad idea though. I mean I, I think <laughs> I'd definitely love to see I'm it. it's definitely not an original thought, though. Um but yeah, on the final note of this, because we have been going for a while, um mm-hmm. we're gonna have, probably gonna have some very different answers here, but out of ten where would you put Man?
1: So this is going to be hard because, mm-hmm. again, Elton John is such a, you know, a, is such a light in my life. And also, I mean, I'm so I'm going to base out of 10. I'm basing this out of like the American school system, how we do it. I know it's a little bit different in the UK on how you grade mm-hmm. things. It's so, like I would give this a 7.5 out of 10. Can I yeah, do yeah, like half fine. scores? 7.5 or like maybe leaning towards a, a, an aid. Mm. a, a, a very light 8. And the reason I say that is like that's like a, a that's a passing grade in America. That's a C plus B minus mm. grade. I think that's pretty good. Yeah, uh, it's no film is perfect. Uh, but I think if you want to have a good time and you're not looking to like we're doing right now, look into every single part of this film. It's a good mm. time to watch.
0: That's a great that's a great sort of reasoning. I love that. I do disagree a little bit. I'm going to pitch mine a little bit lower at... How low, George? How low? How low and can you start go, George? I this podcast, it would have been a concrete five. Mm-hmm. It's got some really good bits, but as like a film... Like detaching the fact that I'm an Elton John fan. As a film, you know, probably about five more leaning towards six after having like a proper discussion about it and really talking about it and really thinking things over in terms of an elton john being an elton john fan and as a film you can just sort of kick back and enjoy i probably agree with you about you know seven or eight i think it is a fun film and i think if you're not sitting and sort of analyzing it or trying to like mark it because if i was trying to like rank this among other like like films it, it wouldn't be that high it would be about five or six you know, at best. That's And that's but fair. I think as a, but um, like beyond that, as an Elton John fan, and also like as a film, you can just sort of enjoy mindless. Yeah, I'd say it's like about seven or eight, it's pretty accurate.
1: I think that half the, I'll say this much, half my rating besides being a, a very big Elton John fan is the oh, music. Yeah. It, it's not the story mm. in all honesty. Cause I think, and this is something a lot of my friends have said. I think there are some songs in this that are sung better as Taryn than as Elton. And that's, that's
0: my personal, Ooh, I agree with that. Okay. What specific, just out of interest, what songs do you think that, that sort of sticks by?
1: Uh, hold on once. I, for one that comes into my head immediately is honky cat. I think that honky cat is way oh, better, yeah. uh, as, yeah. as Taron, Um, but if, so, I'm Still Standing is great in this film with Taryn, but I like the I'm Still Standing version from Sing the best out of all of them. I think that one, because it's even more upbeat than this one. It's This one, it starts off kind of slow, which is I, fair. I, I'll be honest, I like, love
0: the slow opening of I'm Still Standing. I think you, that, those lyrics being sung in that way is so, like, unique. And I actually, I you know, I, I do agree with what you're saying. I haven't particularly listened to the one from Sing, but I'll definitely be doing that after this recording. Um, but I do love that element. Um yeah. I
1: But there are some songs that are classics that I just... Like Benny and the Jets. Well, Benny and the Jets, this was kind of... Not screwed up, but it was definitely mm, different. Mm. Uh, I'd, I'd rather the regular Benny and the Jets. Sorry seems to be the hardest word. Is I think better as the original. Uh, the Bitch is Back is a really good song, both by Taryn mm. and Elton. I, I I think that's a good 50-50. I, I could listen to either one and be Yeah, I know.
0: I think... Uh, I, I do quite... Not the Benny and the Jets in the film, but the Benny and the Jets from the album, I think is really good mm-hmm. I think that's really nice and upbeat and it, it's just it really encapsulates like that love for that song And obviously the song like notoriously is quite a, like you can be quite a fast song with the piano I think that does a really good job of doing that. Um, I Want to ask you this because I, I don't think I've ever in, in the th- what three
1: years that I know you I don't think I've ever asked what is your favorite Elton John oh song? What a bloody question that
0: is. Um, Oh, I genuinely don't know, because there's so many good ones. I I mean, I really like, um, Honky Cat. Like, really like Honky Mm -hmm. Cat. Um... uh, On a personal note, probably, and you'll know why on a personal note, but probably Saturday night's alright. Only because, like, I do, like, the, the, the fondest memories of, like, first semester in uni, for me, was, like, um i can't really say the name of it but going to our local uh, pub which has a karaoke thing yeah. and doing that with you on stage like smashed it's probably one of my favorite memories from first year and like doing that song was like sort of synonymous with like the sort of elation uh, the feeling of elation in that first semester that i just sort of hold so close so for that probably saturday night's all right even though i don't think it's like my if i'm like judging by like, quality of song i don't think it's my favorite but i think it's a, on a personal note probably that what about you
1: um, I have two. On like the second wrong, it would probably be, and this is again from like when I met you was Rocket mm. Man because when we met uh, the first night in uni, like all of like the guys that we met, like we all sang Rocket Man together in like a field. Mm. Like that's one of my mm. fondest memories of like being at uni. But on a personal, on a more even more personal, it has to be your song.
0: Oh, your, your song. song
1: I'll, I can listen to it over and yeah. over again. I wanna. I said this to my friends. I said at my wedding, I want to sing your song to my wife because I think I think the meaning of the song is it's a, the song is mm-hmm. a gift, and that's what I the it's the only gift I can give you is me singing to you. I think that's such a beautiful yeah. thing, and I would I really want to sing that at
0: my wedding. <laughs> that is such a lovely note, as well to end on. I, I I love that, and I couldn't agree more. It's a brilliant song. Um, and don't worry, George, you're invited <laughs> whenever it will be. <laughs> yes, yeah, I do look forward to that. And, uh, well, whether, whether it be a year away or 20, we'll see, <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's, to, to, who's say? to say, who's to say, exactly. Um, to sort of end off, uh, do you have any sort of things you want to promote? Cause now is the time to do so. Uh, social media is anything you, uh, yeah.
1: yeah, sure. Uh, funny enough. Yeah. My Instagram handle is I'm still staping, uh, with underscores in between the I'm and the after still. Uh, and also uh, my YouTube channel The Dossier we're starting our second season uh, in the second half of June so get excited I, for it please uh, yeah, like it. yeah go and do subscribe. that I've been a
0: guest <laughs> on there on the uh, first season and it was a lot of fun very professional lovely setup, and quite different to the, some of the stuff you see on YouTube all the time so definitely go and check that out um, obviously for us as you probably know if you listen to these podcasts quite often uh, we're at Spill Your Beans on Twitter I'm at GB Sheard both on Twitter and Instagram and obviously just follow, subscribe, you know, listen, share, whatever, with this podcast. Exactly. Live life. Um, thank you all so much for watching, or listening, I should say. The YouTube habits I one to break out of. And I will <laughs> see you all in the next episode. Bye-bye.